Thanks everyone for joining us today. I have with me Animoca Brands. We have quite a few people from Animoca joining us. So just a quick intro first. Myself, my name is Alice. I'm the head of research at Cormorhy Cap. We are a research aggregator. So we put the leading voices from each part of the industry um, and then share their insights with you guys, uh, help you understand the market a bit better. So today I'm very, very, uh, it's my great pleasure to have with me Animoca Brands. Uh, a few of the team members from Animoca will be joining us today. Uh, I have uh, Josh, Ross, and Ian, and I will pass it on to let my guests introduce themselves, please. So why don't we start with Josh? Great. Thanks, uh, Alice. Uh, thanks for having us here. Um, hey, everyone. So I'm Josh. I head up the digital asset team at Animoca Brands. And, uh, you know, it's a great pleasure um, to be here with you guys and talk about, you know, our crypto industry, Web3, NFTs. Um, yes. uh, that I'm part of, uh, we actually finished the entire Anaboka uh, directory, uh, including the balance sheet. So anything that's liquid, tokens, NFTs, uh, we actually manage it. Uh, we do everything from trading, you know, derivatives, running nodes, market making, listing. Uh, so pretty close to the ground in terms of what's happening day to day in the market uh, around tokens. Uh, my own personal background is uh, hedge funds. I've been, you know, hedge fund manager for 15 plus years and uh, I've always been in TradFi space and trying to apply that uh, sort of uh, know-how into uh, into crypto and, and mocha right now. And I'll pass it to uh, my fellow colleagues to introduce themselves. Amazing, thank you. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Rafe or Raf. You can call me much easier. Uh, currently, I'm, I'm, I'm on Josh's team, so I'm the associate director on the digital asset team at Animoca Brands, um, and we do exactly what Josh said. Uh, and a bit about my own background, I started my career at a boutique private equity and venture capital firm, but a few years ago after that, I, I guess I saw the light, uh, and I entered the digital asset space through a crypto-enabled investment bank called Diginex, which was later renamed to Equinex after it was listed on the NASDAQ. I then moved to uh, to BitMEX, which some of you might know, with the exchange. And after spending a bit of time there, uh, I'm now at Animoca. So I'm I'm pretty pumped to be here. I guess it's Ian's turn to introduce himself now. Hey guys, I'm Ian, and I'm the project manager of digital asset team at Animoca. I'm in charge of cross-team projects, node operation, external partnership efforts, and also I contribute to the research endeavors. So for my background, prior to joining Animoca, I was in Ernst & Young's strategy and transaction arm that engages in valuation and m and advisory. I have also worked across both consulting and investment previously. So that's it for me. I'll pass it on to Alice to do some more talking. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. I know uh, people are based everywhere, so it might be quite late for them already, so I really appreciate this. But again, what a stressful week it's been. I don't know about you guys. I haven't been sleeping well over the weekend because of all the things happened. So as I mentioned today, we will go through different topics. The first one and foremost, I want to talk about the market, right? So many things happened. Um, I wonder just a quick recap and summary of what happened over the weekend SEC related events. There are already a lot of the timelines posted online, which I, I think it's a good summary of, you know, from the 5th of June when the uh, SEC press charge on Binance.us and how that has impacted the market. Just a quick summary on the on the data here that I'm saying. So before this thing happened, when I went to bed on Friday, 
the market was about 1.14 trillion US dollars for the entire crypto market cap. And if we look at um, then the event broke out during the during the weekend, that was that has tanked the market to something just right above one trillion. So we had about twelve percent drop just within a, a few a few days, and that's quite significant. So I wanted to ask my guest here, what have you? So how how any any quick take on this from your side? Are you seeing any? Uh, how has this impacted the major crypto assets? Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll take a crack at this um, first, Alice. Uh, yeah, so so like you mentioned, um, you know, had a pretty exciting, you know, week uh, also in the crypto market. Um, although, it, you know, it's it's not that unusual, right? Like we've been through a lot already, uh, especially last year and uh, this year as well. You know, we had the, you know, DPEG USDC uh, a while back, right? That was a very eventful weekend as well. Obviously, we had FTX and all that mess um, last year as well. So, um, you know, despite the fact that there is volatility in the market, we're kind of uh, getting used to um, these uh, sort of situations uh, pretty regularly uh, now. So, you know, you did mention, okay, the impact on the market. Um, but, you know, and, and in terms of, you know, what have SEC done, right? It's just, you know, if, if people are having tuned in, um, SEC sued both Binance and Coinbase and also named uh, several altcoins um, as uh, securities. And, uh, you know, due to that, you know, there's a big drop in price as well as big drop in liquidity as market makers pull back um, their market making liquidity uh, provisioning activities. Um, now, you know, we sit in Hong Kong, so, you know, we're not super, you know, super in tune with, you know, exactly what is the thinking or what is the thought process of the SEC. Although from, you know, what we see, it does seem like there's an active push to, um, you know, uh, push crypto industry out of the U.S., which is, uh, you know, kind of unfortunate. Um, but at the same time, you know, the fact that we sit in Hong Kong, uh, we see the other uh, side of that coin, which is that Hong Kong is very welcoming, very supportive um, of the industry. And in fact, some legislator council in Hong Kong uh, tweeted out uh, welcoming Coinbase to list in Hong Kong as well as um you know, supporting broader Web3 and crypto um, industry build out um, in this region. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like the market, it is what it is. Uh, there's plenty of volatility. I mean, we can talk about, you know, price action and things like that later on. But from a uh, regulatory point of view, you know, we see um, there's a lot more support uh, in Hong Kong. And, you know, there's a lot of things that's happened over the past uh, year and this year as well. Um, to kind of prove that Hong Kong is serious about it, you know, regulators put in uh, real legislation uh, to support this industry. So, um, yeah, there's uh, there's more to uh, to watch out for in the, in the space. Interesting, definitely. Uh, I I feel the same trend here because I saw on Twitter that ASICS moved to open their London office yesterday as well. So I believe it's a very interesting thing to see the shift from the US to the likes of Hong Kong or even here in Europe, some crypto hubs. That's that's nice. Uh, I wonder if you can uh, maybe see any observations you had. How are investors managing their books as a result of the any market flows that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, like uh, again, it's, it's the price action. Um, it may seem in the short term may seem like a pretty large uh, move. But in the long term, or even in the medium term, is actually quite insignificant. So you know, for example, year to date, uh, both ETC, uh, e uh, ETH, and uh, BTC are all up fifty percent um, year to date, right? BNB, despite the fact of being sued by SEC, um, it just flat for the year, 
Um, so for crypto itself, the blue chips, I mean, has outperformed um, stock uh, market this year, uh, especially the Asian markets, uh, pretty strongly. And, you know, even if we kind of um, zoom out a little bit more, you know, five year, 10 years, I mean, crypto, you know, it's up massively and outperformed a lot of other asset classes. So despite the fact that, you know, we do see these um, weekly drops or, um, you know, every couple months, you have the big sort of a hiccup in the market um, in the long run um, or even in the medium term, uh, crypto has really outperformed all other asset classes. Um, I guess what's really different this time around is the um, the reaction from the U.S.-based uh, market makers um, from the amount of depth in the um, in the exchanges. Uh, you can see that the U.S. exchanges named by SEC has seen a direct reduction in depth of liquidity, um, and that's a sign that market makers are pulling out. So that is a a um, a. Uh, you know, that is uh, what's kind of different this time around where, you know, you have U.S. market makers temporarily or maybe permanently because of the security charges um, of all certain altcoins or certain exchanges. They may feel that, uh, you know, regulatory wise, um, it, it might be a little bit risky to continue to make markets um, in those exchanges. But um, overall, from a, you know, a risk appetite, right, um, you know, it, it, uh, it did uh, pull back a little bit from investors point of view. But, you know, this is an industry that's sort of very anti-fragile, right? So even last year when FTX blew up, um, the immediate price action afterwards over the past couple of weeks after that event is actually up, right? Um, both uh, ETH and BTC actually pumped um, after that event. So, um, you know, I'm very confident that uh, once this kind of noise dies down, once the volatility dies down, um, I think, uh, you know, prices continue to make its uh, way high, just like what's been you know done on in the medium and the in the long term so that's you know sort of the kind of the observation that we see from, from what we said yeah that's a very very good summary and also i saw someone commented uh just now saying risk management i agree i think right now volatility creates opportunities and i don't know about our audiences right now i think we have about 400 people join us some people um the the way to navigate through this type of turbulent market, I think insight is very important. So that's why we have the likes of you guys on um, to give us some uh, some directions, really. So yeah, uh, much appreciated. I don't uh, I don't know any anything else. Uh, maybe Raf or Ian would like to add in here. No, I think this this section. Um, I mean, I appreciate you asking, but I think the section was uh, was definitely up Josh's alley. Um, and uh, you know we're happy to move on to the to the next section in terms of Web three gaming, NFT industry development, etc. Yeah, sure. So that's why we got you guys here because you're the experts in uh, Web three gaming NFT industry. And also, just wanted to say, Josh, thank you very much for giving us that update. Um, and uh, so, right, let's talk about gaming and NFT. I wonder when I had this looking at how Bitcoin Ethereum behaved for the past few days, but then. I was wondering if gaming or NFT market followed what this sort of general large cap top two market cap coins have been performing. So what are, is there any um, gaming or NFT more or less impacted from the recent market event? So let me take on this. So Web3 is a sentiment driven market. And because of the general negative short term outlook, both gaming and NFT has been impacted qu uh, quite uh, significantly by the recent market events, with the NFT market faring slightly better. 
So in terms of statistics, uh, broader gaming tokens record the seven-day decrease of 11 to 27%, whereas the top 100 NFT collections floor price fell by an average 9.7% since the SEC's announcement. And as for the NFT trading volume, uh, across all marketplaces, it dropped by around 50% since the SEC's announcement. But still, we remain uh, cautiously optimistic as we see regulation as a stepping stone for wider adoption of both crypto and Web3. Yeah, and if you don't mind, you know, I'll just jump in there as, as well. I mean, NFT-wise, it was a good question, Allison. Thank you for it. Um, but NFT-wise, NFT I think, I mean, very obviously, right, we've seen a cooling off of the NFT market since its peak, right? Um, the cooling basically started later in the year in 2022, roughly around September. Um, and that's largely continued uh, into 2023. But also keep in mind, as as we we all know, um, and many people in the comments are very clearly stating, um, the whole market in general, uh, it's, it's been in a very bearish state. Um, but, you know, there are silver linings to everything, regardless of the bearish state of the market, particular to NFTs, particular to gaming. Um, there are positives. So we've seen um, new layer ones come out and enter the market uh, and give traditional players like Solana a run for their money, right? Uh, the likes of Umar, Aptos, or Sui. Um, obviously, ETH still dominates the market, but uh, but obviously ETH will dominate the market. Um, and and I suppose that that's kind of that's kind of what I have to say about the entire thing. And 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 Ian does as well. I mean, yeah, NFT has NFTs have fared well, um, and there are silver linings even amongst the bearish news that we're surrounded by, right? Yeah, that's that's definitely that echoes how I feel. Although a slight difference here, and um, just my own observation, right? So, I know we are back on to uh, Bitcoin is back on to twenty six thousand now. But if we look back six months ago, that was something still about nineteen thousand. So compared with that level, we are still uh, we are still quite high now. And one thing, just to echo what you mentioned about L ones, so around January February time, market was in a very sort of a, a bit more bullish tone because back then we had the blur airdrop we had uh aptos we had sui we had all of this so the new projects infrastructure coming up and then it became quiet for a little bit maybe around april time and may was meme coins that was brc20 or uh ordinal FTs on bitcoin all of those i feel that's like another wave of things However, more recently, now with the SEC regulation, now SEC ruling and regulation is the topic in town and how this has impacted the market. But I appreciate what you mentioned about how NFT market and gaming is slightly different. I know the animal team is very, you guys get all the data on this uh, aspect. So I really appreciate that the NFT 500 index uh, fell by 3%, for example, the trade volume across all the marketplaces fell by 60% since the announcement as you quoted. So I wanted to know, just apart from the general comment on the state of the market, any what about the qualitative side? Any good news, any trend update um, that you could share to give us some hope? Definitely. So from a headline news or like trends update side, uh, I'll first talk about the gaming vertical. So some recent headline news would be that Lion Corporation, an Asian internet giant with over 200 million users globally, they have recently revamped their blockchain. It's called uh, Finstia. And then they have also announced uh, five new game titles, including some RPG games, action games, and strategy defense games. 
And the second uh, bullish news is that Epic Games announced in May 2023 that they're joining forces with LEGO to build a family-friendly metaverse following its $2 billion funding round. And also, with Apple recently dipping its toe into AR with its new like Vision Pro, it signals renewed interest into metaverse. So combined with the AI-generated gaming content and the renewed interest into metaverse, it looks like it's going to be a much clearer path to resolve the hardware and both software limitations that metaverse development was previously facing. And beyond you, so uh, I'll talk about the trends right now. So uh, in 2022, beyond metaverses, the most popular Web3 games were Spinterlands and also Alien Worlds, which are mostly card and text-based strategy games. While in the same year, we saw a lot of developments and investments into other game types, which are slowly surfacing out in 2023. So in this year, we see some AAA Web3 games like Blanco's Bug Party launching, as well as some casual games like Treasure Dows Beacon and Bitmain. So moving forward, uh, moving forward, uh, I would think that Web3 games will start to move beyond play to earn, and popular Web3 game genres might shift into more casual or AAA action-packed style games. And my final uh, trend that I spot would be that with the success of Yuga Labs Dookie Dash, as well as the Lick the Toad gaming campaign, plus uh, Viker's recent Grape NFT Mint, which is more like play to mint style of uh, Web3 game, these might become the new trends and companies could potentially monetize on that on them through like implementing in-game ads. So moving forward, uh, play to mint might be a big thing as well. Uh, and as for... Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. And do you have anything you want to add regarding the um, gaming vertical first, Roth? Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was going to start um, giving, uh, trying at least my best to give glimmers of hope uh, in general and then steering into the gaming, if that's all right, um, general trends, etc., and then moving into gaming. Um, so, I mean, I believe from a broader macro and micro perspective, uh, projects are still pushing forward, honestly, and in a big way. And we can also set aside the Aptoses and the Swedes of the world. Uh, I think something probably great to note now, considering it was just released, you know, a few hours ago, is, is Hayden Adams of Uniswap, right? He also just released their Uniswap v4 vision, um, which has some really interesting points for DeFi as a whole, right? Some some features are, are pretty cool. I mean, they're calling them experiments, but if they work, they could definitely change some of the basic dynamics of DeFi as a whole. And they're trying to include things such as their AMM equivalent or automated market maker, maker equivalent to time-weighted average price execution, right? In TradFi, we call it maybe the TWAP. Um, dynamic fees, on-chain limit orders. I mean, there are a bunch of different things. If you're into DeFi, uh, anyone in the crowd, I'd, I definitely encourage you to check all of that out. Um, and then we'll move into, I suppose, more of the NFT sort of space uh, and some hope there. I mean, the new trend to market even within the bear, within the bear market was the inception of Bitcoin ordinals, right? The BRC20 standard. Um, and so for anyone in the crowd that's listening that doesn't know necessarily what an ordinal is, uh, one can take Satoshis, which is the smallest denomination of Bitcoin, 100 millionth of a Bitcoin, in fact, and you can then inscribe data onto it, hence allowing you to mint new assets on the Bitcoin blockchain similar to an NFT, right? So that was something that really wasn't, was only being done by other newer chains such as Solano and Ethereum. No one really ever considered it uh, for Bitcoin, but uh at the moment, it is happening on Bitcoin, and in fact, it was released in, in Mar released in March this year, and there are already over 10 million subscriptions to date. Right, so many people have their own views about this, but 
on the whole, it's attracted a much, much wider audience, not only to the Bitcoin community, uh, but the crypto community as a whole, and particular with particular note to uh, Peter Schiff. And Peter Schiff, if, if, Schiff, if you know, uh, was a staunch and very vocal anti-Bitcoin advocate, particularly, right? Um, he was he was pro-gold. I mean, he was a gold maxi, and he's essentially now launched his own set of NFTs uh, on the Bitcoin ordinal, right? Um, so that's, I think, quite interesting. And of course, as Ian was mentioning, I mean, in terms of Yuga Labs, I mean, NFT perspective-wise, they're still the blue chips. They're dominating um, the NFT space uh, in, a, in a large degree. Um, there are others, obviously, but Board Ape, Yacht Club, Punks, um, Mutant Apes, Other Deed, they're, they're still up there in terms of highest traded volumes, right? Uh, and then getting back to the, the point at hand, steering back into the gaming uh, the gaming segment, right? We're, we're starting to see more and more projects take their general tokenomics a lot more seriously, which I think personally, and I think the team also thinks, uh, is seriously of seriously bullish sign, right? And what I mean by that is more sophistication in terms of tokenomics. So projects are starting to think more and more about token sinks uh, and token faucets. Uh, and that lends itself to long-term sustainability of token rewards, as opposed to games that people are playing for rewards that aren't necessarily um, attractive, that might not not necessarily be so engaging, that are generally concentrated amongst a small group of good players, where whereas it leaves the the bad players um, behind, right? Um, so that's something that I think is fairly bullish in this space, actually. Great. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear. You mentioned a few things that you are very excited about in this vertical. I wonder any anyone else like to add anything? Yeah, definitely. I'll add something on the NFT vertical as well. So some other bullish news includes, I guess, Azuki Las Vegas. If uh, anyone, any Azuki holders in the chat right now, tap out the message. Okay, amazing. So yeah, Azuki Las Vegas is happening on the 23rd of June. And floor price of both Azuki and Beans pumped in response to the announcement. So what this means is that it signals the importance of in-real-life events in community building and also hype creation for NFT collections. And second is that the Legends of Mara, a PvE game by Yuga Labs, will be launching soon. So this PvE game by Yuga Labs will, will require other deeds and also Vessel to participate in and would involve ApeCoin integration within the game. So uh, what are... What I'm personally bullish on in this is that it could act as a price catalyst for ApeCoin. But as to uh, the price action exactly, I'm unsure because of how the market sentiment currently is. And the third uh, bullish point is that uh, MemeLens, MemeCoin, the waitlist codes are actually available right now with captains getting five codes and also every potato is getting one code. So uh, with the like, huge launch of captain, uh, sorry, MemeLens, MemeCoin, I think uh, in the future, project tokens of individual NFC collections would most likely be launched because all these project tokens are such a great marketing tool and also increases the stickiness of NFC holders themselves if the reward is tied with the contribution to the NFC collections ecosystem. Therefore, I believe in the future, more uh, non-US-based blue chip NFC collections will look to launch the project tokens. And I guess the last thing regarding NFT would be the NFT FI scene. So NFT uh, combined with DeFi. So it's been continuously evolving, even though like smart contract standard for NFT hasn't been evolving much. 
So NFT Fi has developed from simple collateralization model to NFT structured products such as perps and options. But the success of these NFT Fi protocols depends on the interest they receive and also having sufficient liquidity on both sides. So use with caution, guys. Yeah, definitely. I think the points that you mentioned, the these are the the most exciting development within the uh, NFT market. I, I would say I'm very excited to see how the NFT solution and NFT Fi solution comes out as well. And I wonder now, it I know that animaka brands have so many different subsidiaries. Um, I wanted to ask. Uh, any insights maybe you could give on the subsidiaries, what the internal projects you guys are working on, um, and any changes you are making to the portfolio. But before I do that, I am reminded that we have the five-minute Q&A session towards the end of this uh, this live session. So please do make sure you put your questions in. I moderate the comment session uh, section anyway, so I'll say it. Um, yeah, so with that, I'll pass it on to, I don't know who to start with here. I mean, I'm happy to take it, right? Um, so for yours, for those of you that don't know, um, Animoca has, I mean, over 450 portfolio companies now, right? So there's there's a lot going on. It's a lot to manage. Um, and there's a lot of data coming our way, which is positive. It's positive news because we can sit here and give you uh, at least determined insights um, on the space, right? Um, something that is obviously not new to the space that I think I personally am excited about is is definitely DAOs, um, decentralized autonomous organizations, and um, and how, but particularly how they can create and foster kind of a positive feedback loop uh, within the ecosystem. So I mean, this ranges across the board from games to football teams. All of these folks are getting into it or are already into it um, in, into the space. And so many DAOs have these large large treasuries, and they they give grants to members or projects to help in the development of the ecosystem as a whole, right? So DAOs are also organizing to take advantages of network effects on a much larger larger scale across more ecosystems. And I mean, I could give you a pretty, I mean, a pretty pertinent example of this treasure DAO, for example, and their magic token. What it does is it allows for people who use it to participate in decentralized ecosystems across the Arbitrum network uh, with within several multiverse projects, right? So they're, this also exponentially grows the DAO itself because the bigger the base from which these contributions are made to the DAO, the bigger the DAO gets, which in turn allows for more grants. And it's a virtuous cycle, right? And that virtuous cycle continues. Um, and there are, I mean, plenty of examples of Animoca projects that do this as well. I mean, a couple of them, uh, probably our flagship project would be Mochaverse, right? Uh, it really does exemplify this this synergy. And I don't mean to to shill or plug or anything, but um, but NFTs within the Mochaverse whose value, we have NFTs within the Mochaverse whose value is bolstered through the integration across multiple communities from other Animoca ecosystem projects, right? So that becomes a virtuous circle. Um, and also ApeCoin DAO, right? That's another, another example of grants being granted or given to community members. Uh, another point in terms of subsidiaries, etc. I guess I'll start from a more macro angle, but personally, I am really excited uh, about AI within the ecosystem. I'm well aware that AI is a flavor of the month, quote in quotation marks, uh, and sometimes folks add and lose the AI component to their offerings to help with marketing and fundraising, etc. But 
we're seeing and perhaps more excitingly than just seeing, we're actually working with projects that have proprietary and applicable on a use case basis, AI applications. So I am really bullish on that, right? So it can start at the L1 layer, the layer one layer uh, with machine learning, helping networks to become more intelligent, predict, predict for fraudulent behavior more quickly, uh, or in the DEX context for AMMs to implement more intelligent logic for smart contracts, for more advanced decision-making capabilities. And it can be used uh, in NFTs, right? For NFT price appraisal um, and DAOs. It can help analyze the impact of you know DAO proposals, their decisions, et cetera. But even further, and I think the point probably why people are tuning in is, is gaming, right? We're seeing AI-generated games and AI-driven games. Uh, and these kinds of projects are obviously the ones we see the most, right? Those in the Web3 and the gaming space. So I can give you a couple of examples, right? Um, a great example of AI of an AI-generated game is one of our portcos, one of our portfolio companies called Rosebud. Um, and Rosebud, what they're trying to do is they're trying to build the AI Roblox. Um, I'm not sure if, in, if everyone here is familiar with what Roblox is, um, but basically what they're trying to allow you to do is they're building a platform that is used to prompt um, that, that uh, where the users can prompt and generate AI generated images, um, you know, skins, avatars, worlds, right? I mean, it's a team of incredibly smart PhDs who are using their super sophisticated language models to essentially democratize the gaming landscape. And if you know anything about Anamoka, we're all for not only democratization of the space, but, uh, but uh, digital property rights, right? We, we like those two things and we think that company accomplishes it. Uh, and even further into gaming, we're, we're working with a company whose name I cannot yet disclose, but uh, in short order, it will be disclosed, don't worry, um, that's creating an AI-driven metaverse. It's an AI-driven metaverse-esque gaming platform, I suppose. So how you can think about it is having a new and evolving experience each and every time you log into a game as a result of an ever-changing world. And that ever-changing world, the reason it's ever-changing it's predicated on ever learning non-player characters or NPCs and their environments, right? So imagine logging in every single time into a different game and having the AI learn something different, create their own personality, have their own experiences, and then interact with you and the world that they're in based on that. Um, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's groundbreaking stuff and we, we view it as groundbreaking stuff, which is why we like to work with these companies, right? Um, and then on the NFT sphere specifically, NFTs can move from static to dynamic, right? So if you apply an AI layer or machine learning layer to them, uh, you can have learning interactive works, right? So NFTs that have uh, that have representations of your mood or representations of your habits or even ones that develop their own personalities and how some of those NFTs, if you could imagine, could change the gameplay experience once deployed into their respective games or even a broader more interoperable network of games, right? I mean, as everyone says um, in the globe right now, AI, the, the, the implications are limitless and we're seeing the same thing, right? By the companies we're working for, uh, working with uh, and the companies that we're investing. Um, do you want me to continue? I can continue. Yeah, this is fascinating. Please do. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, um, beyond AI, we're also massive believers in, in education, right? Um, so in terms of portfolio companies, uh, one of our subsidiaries is is kind of a learn-to-earn education platform, right, called Open Campus. And recently they just did a, or we just did a Binance Launchpad, right? So it was 
it's exciting to us because it was one of the biggest launch pads in Binance history, which that that is exciting to us. But the more exciting part is it exemplifies not only a real need, but actually a real use case for what we brought to the market, right? So we we listed initially on Binance at 50 million um, and within the first day it traded over a billion, right? Um, I'm sure plenty of, of, of listeners are, are quite familiar with it because Yat and Yogev uh, had a very well attended CoinMarketCap live session on this exact topic. So I won't go on about it too much, but obviously we're really keen on digital property rights, as I've mentioned before, and believe also that royalties that feed this kind of content, right? The kind of content that rewards teachers, rewards content creators through these royalties while also educating people. I mean, we believe that is uh, that is the ultimate feedback loop, positive feedback loop in the space, right? Uh, and then just quickly to to add a, a tap on, because because um, Sandbox obviously is a, is a large project that's one of our subsidiaries. Um, uh, I'll just give you a quick update. Um, four to five days ago, what Sandbox did actually was announce a partnership with BBC Studios, which is super exciting. So BBC will have its own event space in the sandbox. And they've also partnered with uh, with a firm called Reality Plus to put both Top Gear and Doctor Who into the sandbox to generate some immersive content for fans and those two brands, right? Uh, and also, as a side note, one of the first books I ever read in French, which is called The Prince or The Little Prince, uh, is another property that's coming to sandbox as well. I mean, I could go on about the sandbox because they're constantly growing and constantly announcing these kinds of things, but uh, I will think I'll stop there uh, and hand it over maybe to Ian or Josh or whoever wants to contribute next. Amazing. Thank you, Ralph. Amazing stuff. Thank you for sharing all about our portfolio company and subsidiaries. So I guess I'll mention one more, which is Gamey, which I've been following quite closely on. So Gamey um, is the creator of Arcade, which is an arcade-style mobile game that allows players to battle each other over an assortment of casual games while earning tokens in the process. So uh, Gamey, they understand that the pure play-to-earn model is in the past and is currently transforming into a play-and-earn model, which no longer relies solely on competition participation as the main source of token sinks. So uh, moving forward, I believe they will implement a lot, lot more token sinks, such as uh, having, for example, pets or having, for example, um, uh, you requiring tokens to feed the pets to grow it and some other mechanisms that is beyond a... Uh, competition participation to uh, boost up the token demand. So stay tuned to Arcade uh, by Gamey on Twitter to understand all the future possibilities of the Gamey token. As I cannot disclose too much before they, uh, before they officially announce uh, the, uh, the announcements. Very cool. Thanks for giving us the insight there. Um, that's a good summary. I saw a comment just uh, went past just now asking about the uh, uh, some gains were invested uh, in during the last Bora uh, set to launch from this year onwards. So what are the expectations for those ones? I was actually just looking at that comment. It was a, it was a great it was a great question. Um, if, if you wouldn't mind, I'd ask a follow-up question. Do, do you have any particular games that you're thinking about or talking about? Because generally, when we've invested something, we've invested into something in a bull run, it's not because it's a bull run that we've invested right um you i think keep the i think the community has to have a little bit of faith so we go in we do our due diligence we understand the tokenomics of the project we understand the project as a whole we understand the project uh where, where the project wants to be um 
and uh, and we we definitely don't invest on on the basis that it that it is a bull run. And uh, now, if you're asking if we're maybe holding off on the token launches or holding off on some of the NFT drops because it's not a bull run, again, I mean, we have launched a variety of different tokens in the bear market. We have launched a variety of EDU. Again, is one of those examples. It did very very well. Um, and and we've relaunched a variety of different NFTs in, in, in the bear market as well, right? So um, I don't really think that the fundamentals of a company or particularly the fundamentals of a company well, within which we put money um, are going to necessarily be determined by the bull market or the bear market, right? Because eventually those companies are going to end up being some something that will be, um, that will last through the future, right? Um, so short-term gain um, versus long-term plans, um, that's something we take into consideration as well. Yeah, I guess add on Ralph's point, with Web3 and crypto being a sentiment-driven market, I think sentiment is something that can be easily uh, turned around. So even if it's a bear market, if we push out some really good solid products with a lot of backing and a lot of like uh, future launches such as EDU, Open Campus, we can create a narrative around it which would drive a very positive sentiment around like Web3 uh, education, which could turn the market around and create like a mini uh, bullish scene specifically around the Web3 education vertical. Education, interesting. That's a good one. Um, I also want to ask, so the general sentiment in the market, right? So for the marketing, the next two to three months out, are you hopeful? Are you are you in fear? Are you in greed? And also, do you see any silver lining? Uh, well, Josh, would you like to take this question? I feel like I've been hogging the mic and, and Ian as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, the market will do what the market does. I think... Uh, so when we look at it, we definitely look at the pros and the cons, right? And then we kind of look at it holistically rather than focusing on a single direction. So the pro um, is that, you know, uh, like Raf and, and Ian mentioned, there's a lot of development, a lot of new projects. Um, Hong Kong government, very supportive of overall Web3. Um, developers continue to build. Um, and the technology, as we all know, is very viable uh, for the long term. So that's the positive stuff. Um, but the negative stuff is there's, there's quite a bit as well, right? So negative things like the U.S. regulation, um, the uncertainty with regards to the security status of the tokens, um, as well as, um, you know, the fact that uh, the two largest um, uh, exchanges are being sued uh, by uh, the SEC. So um, despite the fact that, you know, uh, crypto has done pretty well um the uncertainty is preventing new money from actually coming in um and there's actually physically it's hard for people to actually invest uh into crypto right now on ramp given the um the bank uh you know the, the some of the bank failures um in the past in the us so in, in over the next year i think um what's really interesting to to look at uh, on the fundamental basis is um, the pace of the Hong Kong adoption of uh, Web2 and the building out the infrastructure um, in this region, especially with the bank connectivity. Um, so, you know, locally, what we see is that several banks has been invited by the KMA to have a chat. KMA um, is basically the regulator banks um, in Hong Kong. And uh, and they, they, you know, even wrote a letter, a public letter saying that, you know, uh, Hong Kong does not forbid banks from 
um, uh, servicing crypto companies or crypto users, right? So they actually ex- like, uh, explicitly stated that uh, that's the case. So, you know, we're we're hoping and we're hopeful to see um, more implementation of banks slowly, gradually onboarding crypto users and crypto traders, which will be a very, um, you know, uh, important on-ramp venue uh, uh, vehicle into crypto, given that a lot of the uh, US-based channels are, are now difficult or, or kind of shut. So I think positively, um, that's something to kind of look at uh, on the fundamental basis in, in market structure. The other one is um, is really just rates, right? So if you look at US um, interest rates and inflations, um, it actually has a kind of, um, you know, come down quite a bit uh, versus uh, early uh, in the year. So uh, CPI numbers came out and, you know, the, the market now is pricing a pause in, in Fed actions um, uh, this week, right? So so whenever interest rates uh, it, it stops rising or it's paused or, or even drops, um, it's actually bullish on uh, long duration assets such as crypto, crypto assets. So, you know, so given all these things, right? So to, to make a really long answer short is that, you know, we're, we're pretty positive over the next few months. In fact, um, I'm even more positive, uh, say six months or one year out, um, just because some of these uh, developments, um, you know, one is I think eventually the SEC, uh, you know, Coinbase go to court. I mean, there'll be a lot of um, things that, that get settled in court and there'll be a lot more clarity. So that'll be one. The two is um, I think Hong Kong regulations will definitely improve and there'll be a lot more on-ramp uh, railings and infrastructure being set up in this region. And the three um, is just that, you know, inflation is coming down. Uh, Fed is going to stop hike. So macro-wise, it's going to be supported as well. So, yeah, uh, pretty positive for those, uh, those couple factors. This is an excellent summary of, of the current market, especially I think right now, this definitely gives us a lot more clarity. And this week, uh, we have a lot more uh, market data coming out as well. So I, I agree with you, the sentiment here. In, if we take on a longer time horizon, I'm personally very hopeful as well. So I hope everyone listening to us also feel the same. Short term, yes, volatility, but longer term, there are so many uh, trends and things that people are building right now that Animal Protein just shared with us. I think it's very it's very interesting to know, and also it gives us a lot more confidence confidence here. So thank you very much. And this is coming to a close. I wanted to say thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, thanks to our guests, uh, uh, Josh, Ralph, and Ian for joining us from Anyone with a Brands. And uh, you, you guys talked to us a, a lot about the subsidiaries you have, amazing, amazing things you are building. So definitely I'm, I'm looking out for the uh, any new updates there. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. Uh, please do follow Animoca on, uh, and, and uh, CMC as well on Community and on Twitter. We, we have uh, shared a lot of things with, with you guys and we have uh, more CMC live to come as well. A bit of disclaimer, this is not financial advice uh, and uh, just stay tuned for uh, more updates from the market. And I hope everyone have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week. Thank you, Alex. Alice, thank you, CMC team. And thanks to everyone listening. Um, it was fantastic. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Glad to have everyone here.